You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. A lot of stuff coming out during the week on an article from The Athletic. And also, I want to see what Ritzamini thinks of this AFC championship coming up. And Buffalo, really, not surprised they lost because Cincinnati is really good, but surprised they were dominated the way they were. Let's welcome in the man who covers the Jets for ESPN and ESPN.com also. Commander of the flight deck on the ESPN 987 uh, New York podcast. He is Rich Samini. Hey, Rich, how are you? Hey, Larry. Always a pleasure to talk. What's uh, lot, lot to discuss? There's a lot <laughs> going a lot on, of, Rich. A lot of interesting topics. Lots, lots. Let's get your thoughts immediately, though. Let's start out before we talk Jets. Let's start out with uh, the AFC situation. Rich, were you surprised as I was with Buffalo? Not that they lost, but it wasn't even close. Yeah, I, I, I had Cincinnati winning the game, so I wasn't surprised by that. But you're right. It, it was, you know, they pretty much dominated the game. I, that surprised me. The Bills, um, clearly that team is missing something. Uh, year after year, they, they get into the playoffs. You know, good regular seasons get into the playoffs. They have one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Every year they have one of the highest-ranked defenses statistically, and yet they get into the playoffs every year. And There's just something that's not clicking. Last year it was that – you know, it was that brilliant game against Kansas City, but that 13-second debacle at the end where they mismanaged everything. And this year, it was more of just a, a beatdown by Cincinnati. So, I think I think the Bills just need to take a good hard look at themselves and figure out, uh, you know, what's happening. What what are they missing? You saw Stephon Diggs at the end really airing airing out his dirty laundry in front of the entire world, kind of yelling at Josh Allen there, frustrated that he wasn't getting the ball. So. Maybe there's some uh, maybe there's some trouble in paradise. It, it, it's really amazing, and you know it may turn out, Rich, that they get beat by better teams. But you're right; when they get to the postseason, something changes. And I guess, as I was half joking but kind of serious with the audience earlier, when I said they kind of their problems against the run, the Jets showed you that when they marched the ball down the field in the game they beat them. They just ran the ball right down the field, and once again today, it was about the Buffalo having trouble stopping the run defensively. Yeah, and they also had a really hard time picking up Cincinnati's pressures. I mean, Cincinnati defensive coordinator is is a masterful tactician, and I don't know why he doesn't get more buzz with regard to some of these head coaching openings. But, um, you know, Josh Allen was getting, you know, they were doing delayed safety blitzes, and, and he was getting, you know, backsided, frontsided. He didn't know where it was coming from, and they looked really clueless on offense. They couldn't get the ball to Stephon Diggs, so I understand his frustration. Uh, really, uh, on both sides of the ball, and, and they missed Von Miller. I mean, he, you know, mm-hmm. when he got hurt earlier in the year, that was, you know, such a big part of their pass rush. And then their secondary was beat up, too. I mean, they I think they were down to their third string free safety. But, hey, injuries happen. And, you know, you got to deal with it in the NFL. The Jets know that better than anyone they've had to deal with that year. And that's why they were sitting home the last couple of weeks. But uh, yeah, the Bills got some. Uh, Cincinnati's really good, though. I, I yes, think Cincinnati are. has a really good chance of winning again in Kansas City. They're just Burrow's playing at an elite level, and, and their defense is really good. Defense is really good, and, and Rich, we all heard about this the injuries and the problems to the offensive line. That offensive line looked pretty good today, and you they now travel to Kansas City. They've got confidence. They seem to own Kansas City, and you got Patrick Mahomes, who's got a week to try to get his ankle straight. Yeah, that's a serious ankle injury, Larry. You know, the high ankle – I'm look, I think he's going to play in the game. I, I'd be shocked if he didn't play in the game. It's a championship game. 
But his mobility is going to be compromised, and that is a big part of Patrick Mahomes' game. You know, just to be able to get outside the pocket and, and make those off-schedule plays, and you know, it, it's going to be really hard. No, no matter what he he might miss some practice time, you would think. Uh, I'm sure he woke up today, and that must have felt awful. Now he got through that game yesterday just based probably on adrenaline. But when he woke up today, I'm sure that wasn't pleasant. And so that is going to be a, a big factor in the game on Sunday. Plus, I don't have a lot of faith in their defense, and you know that that Bengals offense is very good. <laughs> They're very well balanced. I mean, their receiving core is so good, you know, and their tight end, you know, Hurst came up big today with a couple of big plays, and Burrow is just so. He's just so good. He's so instinctive in the pocket. He just plays the quarterback position the way it's supposed to be played. Um, in in the really tough conditions in the snow, there he was throwing like it was, uh, you know, it was like in the middle of August in a seven on seven drill. You know, in eighty degree weather and sunshine. You know, he's just, you know, he's just really unflappable. Yeah, they look really good. Uh, Rich, let's talk a little bit about the team that you follow every day and every night. That's the New York Jets. What's the latest on the offensive coordinator search? Well, they interviewed another candidate today, Clint Kubiak, who everybody knows is the uh, son of uh, former Super Bowl winning coach Gary Kubiak, who, as we all know, is uh, very close to Robert Sala. And and no, I know people are thinking, oh, maybe the Jets are going to have a father-son package deal, you know, hire both Kubiaks to come in and one be the OC, one be like the senior assistant. But based on, from what I've heard, that is not going to be the case. Gary Kubiak is going to be, he is retired. He's been retired for a couple of years, and I guess his plan is to stay retired. So, But they did interview Clint Kubiak, who just spent the season with the Broncos, which obviously did not go well. He was the offensive coordinator last year in Minnesota, you know, and that staff got fired. So, Larry, right now it's seven known candidates right now. You know, an interesting mix of guys. I mean, probably the most well-known is Nathaniel Hackett. You know, has the most experience, of course, coming off a disastrous year with Kubiak in Denver. And then, you know, he's interviewed a couple of younger guys, too, uh, like a Brian Johnson from from Philadelphia, Kevin Petullo from Philadelphia. Obviously, they're going to be playing on in the playoffs. So, uh Seven guys. I do think there is some level of interest in Frank Reich, but I, from what I'm told, you know, he's still hoping to get a head coaching job. And even if he doesn't, I'd be really surprised if he ended up in the Jets opening. I could see him going to San Diego to be Justin Herbert's, not San Diego, L.A., to be Justin Herbert's offensive coordinator. So uh, Joe Brady, I think the Jets put in a request to speak with him. He's obviously available now that the Bills are done. He's their quarterback's coach. He would be a very interesting hire to me because he does have coordinated. He had for a couple of years in, in Carolina. It didn't go well the second year he got fired, you know, by Matt Rule. But the Jets interviewed him for their head coaching job, what was it, uh, two years ago during the Sala cycle. Joe Brady was one of the hot young candidates in the league. And to me, he would be an interesting hire, a younger guy with some uh, innovative ideas. So, and my guest is Rich Samini. We're talking about the Jets' offensive coordinator situation. What's your gut? Will ultimately this be they won't go down the same road of a first-time coordinator? They're definitely going to have somebody with experience. Is it just to – we understand that there's an unofficial mandate. I know Woody Johnson hasn't made it public, but everybody – Salah knows he's got to make the playoffs next year. Let's put it that way. He and Joe Douglas know they have to. Is it a scenario where you could have an OC that comes in 
with head coaching experience so that it kind of you it kind of gives them the sense that if if things don't go well they they could interview for the head coach in other words rich i'm trying to figure out what makes this job you know what makes this job you know inviting when you know that the, the head coach could be bounced well, I, you know, it, it's a it's a fascinating question. Really, the only guy who fits that category is Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, you know, being a former head coach now, who's got he's the most experienced guy on the list, the list that we know of right now. Uh, I I I don't think that would be a great hire. I mean, he, he look, he's coming off a really. I mean, from an optics standpoint, I think the fans would hate it because he's coming off a. A disastrous year. He didn't even make it through the year. Now I, I'm not sure that was all his fault in Denver. Russell Wilson looks like he might be washed up. So I mean that might have been a really tough situation. But uh, you know, so that would surprise me a little bit. I don't think Salah would be afraid of hiring a younger guy. Uh, no play calling experience. I think if he feels that strongly about a person. I, I don't think he would hesitate to do that. Um, I mean, otherwise, other than Hackett, the only other guys on their list with play-calling experience are Clint Kubiak, who just, as we discussed, comes from the disastrous Denver Broncos situation, so I, I'm not sure you want to go there. And Joe Brady, who has not accepted the interview yet, by the way, as far as mm. we know. I know the Jets requested the interview. I'm not sure if he's actually agreed to it yet. But uh, he would be the other guy who's got play-calling experience. So there's not a lot of guys on their list with play-calling experience. Um, Frank Reich would be the home run hire, but I, I just don't see it happening. So Salah's got a really, really tough decision. His, uh, his job, obviously, is gonna, could be determined by how this decision turns out. You know, he's got he's to win next year. He's probably got to make the playoffs to get another year. So it's a really, really tough decision. And uh, you got to factor in the quarterback as well. Are you going to try to match a, a coordinator with a potential quarterback? What variables in this decision? I mean, can can you imagine your your mailbag if they hire Nathaniel Hackett? All the people that hated his dad will be writing you again. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and I look, I covered his dad. I remember, but you know what? The, the Paul Hackett, obviously, Jet fans do not have fond memories of Paul Hackett, but. <laughs> He did make the playoffs three out of four years as his coordinator, as the coordinator. So something to be said for that. And he did do a good job with Chad Pennington. Obviously, he had some clock management issues along with Herm Edwards uh, where they botched some, some situations with clock management. Nathaniel Hackett, you know, it might be like father, like son. He obviously oh. had some big uh, clock management issues last, last season in Denver to the point where the, you know, they had to hire a clock management specialist, uh, Rossberg eventually became the head coach, the interim head coach. So, yeah, I think Jet fans would probably uh, revolt if they hired Hackett. <laughs> although although if, he's got a decent track record. If you can get past the Denver thing, you know, he spent three years in, in uh, Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers speaks highly of him. And then he did make the playoffs with Blake Bortles. Uh, I mean, there, there's got to be something mm. to set for that. If you can make the playoffs with Blake Bortles, <laughs> they went to the AFC Championship game that year with Hackett calling the plays. So, Something to be said for that as well. After Adam Gase, I'm sure that Jet fans don't want to hear about any quarterback inviting and recommending anybody for any job. <laughs> what did yeah, the Jets have been down that been down that road. It hasn't hasn't been a good road. Rich Amidi's my guest. Rich, a couple more for you. Uh, quarterback wise, what what do you think they're going to have to make a move? And and it's tricky because you know you want to have the OC, you kind of want to have the quarterback, but really. With the NBA, with the NFL season and 
the way it is, the offseason, how it goes, you really have to have your kind of have your OC available before because the good, the good, you know, uh, options are going to be gone. What do you think they do at quarterback? Yeah, well, everybody knows the names that are being bandied about. The interesting thing that is the timetable is is a little bit weird because you know that Derek Carr situation is going to come to a head very quickly in, in Las Vegas because uh, contractually the Raiders have to make a decision by February 15th because if he's not on if he's on their roster February 15th they're going to get hit with a 40 million dollar guarantee and they obviously don't want that they don't want him on their team so they're going to trade or release so that's a situation where I could see him getting traded to a team uh, I remember the Alex Smith situation Mm -hmm. he got traded to Washington uh, it was during the I think it was the week of the Super Bowl Mm-hmm. So I could totally see something like that happening with Derek Carr, where he gets traded, you know, coming up uh, real soon, like in a, in a week or two. And so I do think the Jets will have interest in, in Derek Carr. I mean, look, he's he's a solid quarterback. You know, he's not a franchise quarterback. I think he's probably middle of the road, somewhere in the 12 to 16, 17 range among quarterbacks in the league. You know, he's he would be a significant upgrade from what they have, you know, and if they had a Derek Carr in this year's team, they would have made the playoffs. So I do think the Jets will have interest in Derek Carr. You know, the question is, do they put all their eggs in the car basket? You know, and if they don't get him, what, you know, how do they pivot then? Do they, do they make a move for Aaron Rodgers? Do they go a little cheaper and go for Jimmy Garoppolo, who's going to be a free agent? You know, I mean, it's Lamar Jackson somehow shakes free, which I tend to doubt. Uh, do they make a move there? So it depends on how much the Jets want to spend and how much draft pick compensation they want to give up. Mm-hmm. Uh, saw that uh, Makai Becton has dropped some weight, looks good. Rich, from, from the Jets' standpoint, how do they play this? Do they play this as, okay, if he's available, great. He's, he, he's going to be a guy that we'd love to have, but we got to make sure that we have somebody to back him up because we, we can't be in the situation with the offensive line the way we were again this past season. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So what I think they're going to do is I think they'll go back to left tackle, which is where he's always wanted to be. I mean, he, he I was never really happy at right tackle, even though it didn't last very long because he got hurt. But, um, yeah, um, I, they can't say he's our starter right now because the guy hasn't played in two years, basically. And he's got a twice-repaired knee, and when you have a twice-repaired knee and you're 360 to 70 pounds, that's, that's a, you know, it's a delicate situation. You know, it's a ticking time bomb there. So I think they'll go out. I think they'll probably draft a tackle with the 13th pick in the draft. There's, there's three, based on the, my limited knowledge of the draft right now, there's about three offensive tackles who could go in this first 12, 13, 14 picks. I think the Jets will try to get one of those guys and make him their left tackle. And and if Makai is, comes to camp and he's in shape and he's healthy, then you can find a place for Makai. Maybe you move him back to right tackle, or you know you find a place for him. But I just don't think you can count on him as your guy. I think it's almost like it's gravy if if he comes in and, and he's you know and he's healthy and, he, and he's motivated and shape. Well, I tell you, Rich, your mailbag is going to be overflowing <laughs> over the next couple of weeks with the flight deck. So have fun, my friend. We'll talk down the line. Thanks for a couple of minutes. All right, always a pleasure, Larry. Have a good one. Uh, you too. That's Rich Samini. All right, your thoughts on what Rich had to say, and give me your thoughts about where we are now. Giant fans want to hear from you. 
NFL fans want to get your thoughts on where we're going next weekend. Is Cincinnati poised to head to the Super Bowl? Can they beat Philly? Can Mr. Irrelevant continue his unbelievable run? 1-800-919-3776. Hey, this season marks the 50th anniversary of New York Islanders hockey, and they had helped celebrate. We're giving away tickets to the January 27th matchup against the Detroit Red Wings at the UBS Arena. To enter, download the free ESPN New York app, scroll down the contest, and submit your entry. It's brought to you by the New York Islanders. Join in on the fun this season by grabbing your tickets at newyorkislanders.com. For full contest rules, go to ESPNNewYork.com. More of The Drive next on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. It's the ESPN at ESPN NY, 98 underscore 7 FM. Brian Dayball, give me your thoughts on the season. A little, probably a little bit too early. I, look, I'm proud of the guys, the way we competed. I'm proud of, you know, the coaches, the staff members. It's really only do this for, for one reason at this level, and it's, you know, it hurts when you, when you lose. No question about that. And being eliminated, that can't feel good, does it? Well, crash landing here. Give Philly credit. They did everything better than we did today. And, you know, tough game. Really got beaten all facets. So it wasn't one thing in particular. Uh, it was, you know, a team game and just didn't get it done. So congratulations to Philly. They get to move on. And unfortunately, we don't. See, it's interesting um, to hear coaches take on the fourth down and seven or fourth down in there. I think it was fourth and eight. And he felt, he said the defense could, he was relying on his defense to stop him. And my thought process was, okay, I understand you're not going for the field goal. I got it because you thought that your field goal guy couldn't make it. That's why you didn't go for that. that that's logical. But why not help your defense out by pinning them further back? Pun it. Even if they get it inside the 10, even if they get it at the 10 yard line. I mean, they almost got it at midfield. I mean, that, that you know, that, that just to me was a, you know, it turned out not to work, obviously. But even that's not, that's not a second guess. That was a first guess for me. Like, what are you trying to do here? Why, why would you put your deep pressure on your defense like that? And they're already moving the ball to just put them in a, in a situation where they could just, you know, have a short field. I, I wanted to. You know, the way they were going, pin them back early. Let's see if we can tie this game up, play a field position game. But I'll say this for him. He was true to how he's been. He's been aggressive all season. It started out with going on fourth down against Tennessee in, in the first game, and that proved to be, you know, their, their identity, which was to keep the games close and then try to, you know, hang in there and, and get, you know, make a play late with your defense. So – it's going to be interesting to see how uh, how things are going. Ryan's in the Big Apple. Ryan, you're next on the drive. Hey, Larry. Thanks for taking my call. So the past couple of weeks, I've been really unhappy with the officiating. It's really frustrating. I mean, oh, they're getting some calls wrong, it seems like, even after instant replay. But what about the Seattle? I wanted to complain after finding two weeks of uh, awful officiating. What about Seattle, an eligible man downfield twice in a row? It cost them the game. That was the game for them. You know, I think that some of these calls are just absolutely against the momentum of the game. And it's, I think the players should decide the game, not the referees. And some of there's coaching calls, forget about it. I mean, uh, the Bills coach today, um, you know, it was terrible. And uh, and McCarthy, you got to go. Well, thanks for the phone call, Ryan. McCarthy may be going. 
I mean, you know, we'll wait and see what happens over the next couple of days. Jerry will make his decision about what they're going to do in Dallas. Uh, but clearly, he can't be happy. I mean, this is a team that is built talent-wise. They are good enough to win a Super Bowl. Talent-wise, it's not. It's no question. They're good enough to win the Super Bowl. They're very good offensive line. The defense this year has been better than it's been over the past couple seasons, and it's taken an upgrade. I mean, Micah Parsons is a, is a, is a stud defensively. So, I mean, you know, the fact that that defense. I mean, look what they did today. I mean, they played well enough defensively that Dallas should have won that game. The defense did not lose that game for them. What, they gave up one touchdown? I mean, you know, you, the offense has got to do it better. The talent on that offense with the with the solid offensive line, they're, they're, Dallas is supposed to win that game. I mean, defensively, they, they, you know, they slowed down the Niners' offense. Okay? They did. They just didn't didn't score enough points. Got to score to win in the NFL. We'll continue the conversation on The Drive on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. By the way, Nets holding their own on the West Coast against Golden State. Uh, they're down four with a little over three minutes left to go in the game. Uh, remember, the Nets still without, uh, you know, Kevin Durant. And the Warriors are just not playing great. You know, they're still trying to get themselves together. You know, missed a lot of games, uh, lost a lot of games with Steph Curry and his injury. Uh, it's so funny in looking at this, and I get to the – we'll hear from Jordan Runon in a second. He was on New York game day this morning. Um, it, it was so interesting to see how competitive the, bro- the brothers Curry are. When uh, Seth got a turnover, you could see his, his brother on the sidelines cheering. <laughs> Boy, that had to be some competition there. That had to be some competition. And trash talking. Wow. I can't imagine. All right, Jordan Runon was on uh, New York Game Day. Anita Marks, Matthias Kiwanuka, Mike Tannenbaum this morning. Uh, he was asked, will Daniel Jones resign? The very wishy-washy answer. It was never, uh, yes, I want to come back. You gave him multiple opportunities to say it, and he didn't say it. Granted, it's right after a loss, but it's just something to file away, and it's, it's interesting to think. Because remember, they denied his fifth-year option. We'll see what they do with the contract. It's going to be a tricky negotiation. So it just it just left you wondering what is the future of this team and how do they handle it? Because those are the biggest questions that's, uh, facing this team right now. And the other question that's facing this team, Jordan, are you going to get the number one receiver? You saw what happened in Buffalo with Josh Allen and Steph Diggs. You saw what happened with Jalen Hurst when he got A.J. Brown. Joe Shea's got to get creative. How does he find his guy? How does he find his guy for Daniel Jones? Is it the draft? Is it trade? Is it free agency? It's not a great year in free agency at wide receiver, but you got to find something, even if it's tight end as well. Like They don't have guys that are going to win one-on-one very, on this roster. They just don't. So what do you expect from this Giants? Obviously, Jordan, there's going to be a bunch of changes with the roster. You don't know what's happening with Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, Leonard Williams. Is he going to take that pay cut? What do you expect from the Giants next season? Early thoughts. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities that they have to take a little step back next year. They, they don't end up playing a schedule as favorable as this year. But a couple of those closemen don't go in their favor. They could easily be a better team, and I expect their roster to be better. 
but the result's not to be almost as good. That's tricky. And that's what I said to you earlier, that they actually, because of what they have to do and the decisions they have to make, could be an issue. It's it's similar to what's going on. Not similar, but it's it's you can compare it with what's happening in Buffalo. Okay, what do they do going into next season? Everything that Buffalo was shooting for was them getting into to the Super Bowl representing the AFC this season. After all after the, the game that forced a rule change for overtime in the NFL, which they were a part of, even though they blew a lead with 13 seconds left, they allowed Kansas City to march down the field and tie that game and send it to overtime. And it was a tremendous game. It was a tremendous game. But once again, Buffalo's going home. Like they're going home. And they didn't get as far this time as they did last time. Okay, so they're, they're going home. And so as you, as you look at this and you watch what happens to them, and I tell you from experience, ladies and gentlemen, because I remember covering the Jets when Rex Ryan was the head coach. And after the Jets lost the second time in, in Pittsburgh, Ryan had been to actually three consecutive conference finals games that he lost. Okay, because he lost in Baltimore as a defensive coordinator, came to the to the Jets, lost both the years in the conference finals. And never got back there again. You know, and that's when he said, (laughs) you don't get to start where you finish. You got to play the whole season. And there's so many things that can happen. And just like Jordan said, some of the games that you won, you may not win those games next year. You could be better and lose those games. It's It's a combination of luck and skill and talent. That's how champions win. It's when you play teams. You may play a team that's better than you, but if they're struggling and you play, that's why early games matter. Okay, for the, for the, for the, we always talk about how teams get hot late in the season and right into the postseason. Absolutely. It's true. But those early games when really good teams are not ready to go, they're not, hitting on all cylinders. They haven't found themselves yet. They're still working on things. And you steal a couple of those wins and that buys you time and you play okay and then you get hot late. That's how teams get in. So now you're Buffalo. There's no guarantee Buffalo's going to be back. I mean, I expect, you know, we're talking about the Jets looking for an offensive coordinator. (laughs) So is New England. Okay, I expect New England will not be the same as they were this year. And they almost got to the postseason. With the OC debacle that they had, they still almost got to the postseason because Belichick's a great coach. And Mac Jones is not, get this straight, ladies and gentlemen, Mac Jones is not a, he hasn't played like a franchise quarterback. He's okay. He's not a franchise quarterback, not yet. Hasn't shown you that yet. So they're going to be better. Miami. Once they sort out what they're doing at quarterback, I mean, right now it looks like they, they're intent on having 
Tua is their number one guy, but they have to look and make sure they have a solid backup based on if he comes back or doesn't come back. I mean, with the con- had three concussions this season. He could have one next season to be over if he comes back. So you have to think you're going to, you know, need a solid backup for him. Thompson played well, but Thompson's not ready to make that leap. The Jets should be better. I don't know, but they should be. I mean, even as wacky as they were, they were able to beat Buffalo one game this year. Miami always does a great job with Buffalo. They win at least one game. So there's no guarantee that Buffalo gets back. Everything's got to go right. And I don't know, did, 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 they, did Buffalo miss the Giants head coach up there this year? I mean, I don't know. So things change every single year. So for Buffalo, this was a mandate to get to the Super Bowl, and they fell short again. 1-800-919-3776. We'll take your calls on the NFL on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN.